Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, the FDA issued new guidelines regarding gay and bisexual men donating blood. A new report shows anti-LGBTQ hate groups are on the rise in the U.S. Get ready to live stream a global pride celebration. And Sean Hayes reflects on saying goodbye to Will and Grace a second time. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. The Food and Drug Administration has issued new guidelines that will allow more gay and bisexual men to donate blood as blood donations drop due to the global pandemic. In a statement posted to its website, the FDA announced that men who have sex with men can donate blood three months after the last time they had sex, reducing the deferral period from 12 months. Women who have had sex with men who have sex with men can also donate three months after sex instead of 12 months. It's a step forward. The Red Cross has said before that blood donation eligibility should not be determined by methods that are based upon sexual orientation. And I agree. The change in policy was prompted in part by the need for blood donations in regard to the ongoing coronavirus health threat. The FDA gave permission last week for doctors to use plasma from coronavirus survivors as an experimental treatment for patients who become moderately ill from the virus. But most gay and bisexual men who have recovered from the virus weren't able to donate their plasma. According to the New York Times, blood from people who have recovered may be teeming with antibodies, proteins created by the immune system to attack the virus, The approach has been used for decades in treating many infectious diseases like influenza and Ebola. A virologist for the University of Texas Medical Branch told the New York Times, quote, four to six or eight weeks after infection, their blood should be full of antibodies that will neutralize the virus and will theoretically limit the infection, end quote. Although there aren't any controlled studies to quantify the treatment, there have been reports from China regarding the approach being used there on a small number of patients. In recent months, almost 50 members of Congress have sent multiple letters to the FDA asking the agency to revise the policy, citing the lack of blood donations due to the pandemic with over 4,000 blood drives that have been canceled in the U.S. and an estimated 130,000 blood donations that have not been made. The new policy follows the UK and Canada, which also have three-month deferral periods for men who have sex with men, and is similar to France and Denmark, which have four-month deferral periods. Some countries, like Argentina, Italy, and Spain, don't ban men who have sex with men from donating blood at all. The countries moved to a system of individualized risk assessment as early as the year 2000. Instead of turning away potential donors because of the gender of their partners, they screen bisexual practices. 
A new report by the Southern Poverty Law Center indicates the number of anti-LGBTQ hate groups are continuing to rise. In 2018, there were 49 groups classified as an LGBTQ hate group. In 2019, that number increased 43% to 70 anti-LGBTQ hate groups. The Southern Poverty Law Center defines a hate group as an organization that, quote, based on its official statements or principles, the statements of its leaders or its activities has beliefs or practices that attack or malign an entire class of people, typically for their immutable characteristics, end quote. The report notes that the total number of hate groups tracked by the Southern Poverty Law Center dipped about 8% from 2018 to 2019, but the decline is not significant enough to argue that there's been a fundamental shift in the growing trend over the last several years. One of the reasons behind the surge, the report argues, has to do with a rise in anti-LGBTQ sentiment and policies within the current administration. Many of the new anti-LGBTQ groups are grassroots churches like the Faithful World Baptized Church in Tempe, Arizona, as well as organizations like the Family Research Council, which hosts the annual Value Voters Summit, an event Donald Trump never misses. Last year at the summit, he vocally opposed the Equality Act, a bill that could make it illegal nationwide to discriminate against LGBTQ people. Here's just a bit more from the report. Quote, Anti-LGBTQ groups have become intertwined with the Trump administration and, after years of civil rights progress and growing acceptance among the broader American public, anti-LGBTQ sentiment within the Republican Party is rising. Though Trump promised during his campaign to be a real friend to the LGBTQ community, he has fully embraced anti-LGBTQ hate groups and their agenda of dismantling federal protections and resources for LGBTQ people. End quote. That report was predictably slammed by conservative figures, with openly gay White House spokesman Judd Deere telling NBC that the SPLC was a far-left smear organization. P.S. folks, it's not. He added, While the radical left has pushed false accusations that LGBTQ Americans are threatened, the president has hired and promoted LGBTQ Americans to the highest levels of the government, including positions at the White House cabinet agencies, and ambassadorships. He launched a global campaign to decriminalize homosexuality. And the president has made the bold declaration that we are committed to ending HIV transmissions in the United States within 10 years. End quote. Now, while it's true that Donald Trump did promote Richard Grinnell to director of national intelligence after being ambassador to Germany, this appointment is only a temporary role, and Grinnell is the only openly gay person in his cabinet. It's also worth noting that when asked about his plans to decriminalize homosexuality worldwide, Trump was famously unaware of them. Deer also blithely omits the fact that the Trump administration has, among many, many other things, banned transgender people from serving in the military, allowed adoption agencies to discriminate against same-sex couples, is arguing is arguing for the right to fire people because of their sexual orientation at the Supreme Court, and backed Idaho in its bill which banned trans athletes 
from competing in sport. Over at the GLAAD website, the Trump Accountability Project currently lists 136 attacks against the LGBTQ community since the president took office. And those are facts, folks. While many in-person Pride events are announcing their cancellations or postponements, a bunch of organizations are getting together to livestream a digital Pride across the world on June 27th. According to the South Florida Gay News, Interpride and the European Pride Organizers Association are working with Pride organizations in almost every continent. The goal is to bring communities and Pride organizations together for this global Pride event that will use online platforms to deliver a Pride in which everyone can participate, wherever they are in the world. Interpride and the European Pride Organizers Association shared this mission through a press release they distributed last week. In the announcement, the organizations say the virtual Pride will include musical performances, speeches, and key messages from human rights activists. Said Interpride co-president J. Andrew Baker, We need community and connection more than ever. This gives us an opportunity to both connect and celebrate the LGBTQIA community's resilience in the face of this pandemic and the true spirit of pride. End quote. One of the many Pride organizations that recently announced its cancellation was the Capital Pride Alliance, which runs most of the Pride events in Washington, D.C. Along with that, the Center for Black Equality also canceled its upcoming events. In a statement, the Center for Black Equality wrote, For the first time in 30 years, we will not gather in D.C. to celebrate our community during Memorial Day weekend. We will celebrate the 30th D.C. Black Pride in 2021, bigger and more celebratory than ever. Capital Pride Alliance Executive Director Ryan Boss later shared that his organization will be participating in this combined virtual global pride. He told the Washington Blade, We will be participating and look forward to us all thinking outside the box as to how we can celebrate and have pride. We'll see what other cities, countries, and organizations join this international and virtual Pride event as we get closer to June. LGBTQ people are binge-watching Tiger King, the series focusing on a gay, polyamorous meth user who owned an exotic animal petting zoo and ran for president. But they likely don't realize one segment of our community has been erased in the series. Saf, one of the show's only sympathetic characters, is presented as a lesbian and repeatedly misgendered on camera. But in reality, it turns out he's actually a transgender man. While the series focused on Joe Exotic, the crazed exotic cat zookeeper with an obsessive grudge against the shady owner of a rival animal sanctuary, Saf's backstory is just as dramatic and shocking. One of the zoo's longest and most dedicated employees, Saf had his arm amputated after a tiger attacked him. Within a few days, he was back at work. Footage taken at the time shows Exotic worrying about the zoo's customers and his personal finances more than Saf's health. Robert Moore, who produced a podcast about the sordid story before Netflix's documentary, pointed out on Twitter that the show pretty much erased Saf's gender identity. He tweeted, A useful piece of info for anyone discussing the show. 
Saf, the person who got mauled by the tiger, told me repeatedly that he is transgender, prefers to be called Saf, not Kelsey, and uses he-him pronouns. So please do likewise. He added, It's tricky because all of the news broadcasts at the time and most of the people at the zoo use the wrong pronouns for Saf. While Netflix collaborated with GLAAD recently on the First Time I Saw Me campaign to raise transgender visibility in the entertainment industry, one of their most popular recent offerings, Tiger King, practically erases Saf as a transgender man and presents him as a lesbian without any context. It's worth noting that in 2018, of the 38 transgender characters on TV, 31 were played by trans actors, according to LGBTQ media watchdog group GLAAD. As the revival of NBC's Will and Grace comes to a close for a second time, with the series finale scheduled for April 23rd, series star Sean Hayes says filming the final episode was bittersweet for him after returning to the groundbreaking gay-centric show in 2017, over a decade after the original run's end, in part because fans called out for it after the shock of the 2016 presidential election. Speaking to The Advocate recently, Hayes said, quote, This one was a little more intense for me because I was much more appreciative in my older age going back to something so special. Not that I didn't appreciate it before, but I think the older you get, the more aware you are of your mortality and time on this earth. The goodbye was a little deeper for me personally. But at the same time, as grateful as I am for the opportunity, and the only reason we did it was for the fans, ultimately, we all decided it was time to go. So while it was sad to say goodbye, it was also time. He added, It was such a gift to come back, and such an honor to feel we were welcome back. Even with Will and Grace ending, Hayes has a packed schedule of voice acting on his calendar, via phone, for the upcoming Netflix series Q-Force, an animated comedy about LGBTQ super spies. His calendar also includes several meetings with business partner Todd Milner for other projects for their production company, Hazy Mills. He's also currently promoting Lazy Susan, a film in which he stars as a, quote, spectacularly unmotivated cisgender woman named Susan. The production is directed by Nick Pete and is written by Hayes, Carrie Aisley, and Darlene Hunt, and it features Oscar winner Allison Janney and Matthew Broderick. Hayes, now 49, was 21 years old when he created the character of Susan at an audition to replace, quote, the white guy on In Living Color, a predominantly black sketch series that also featured Jim Carrey. Hayes was extremely careful on how he characterized his portrayal of Susan, though, pushing back against classifying the film as a cross-dressing comedy like Mrs. Doubtfire or Tootsie. Said Hayes, I wouldn't call it cross-dressing. I wouldn't call it transgender. I wouldn't call it drag. I wouldn't call it anything other than she's a woman, you know? Because I don't want to offend those people. I've never seen this before, and it may be out there. I've just never seen it where a cisgender man plays a cisgender woman. Lazy Susan is now available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, and more. It's also available on demand on DirecTV, Spectrum, and AT&T UVerse, among other cable providers.
And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Please remember, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and please take care of yourself. See you next time. 